Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. have your Bibles, and I hope you do today, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to start reading in verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, which you have Learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You have indeed, uh, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. We thank you, Father God, for your word, Lord. We thank you that it is life, that it is truth, that, that it brings help. Uh, where there seems to be no way, Lord. We thank you that you would open up our eyes, open up our understanding so that we may see clearly your beauty, your glory, your majesty in the word. Let it change us. Let it touch us. Let us not leave here the same today after we heard the word. Let us put it into practice in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we approach the, the holiday seasons, uh, this time of year can be a time of, of fun, of great joy as we, as we spend time with our, our loved ones, with our family, getting together, having parties. But it also can be a time of great stress and an anxiety and turmoil. Um, families struggle, may, you may be struggling with finances, you don't know how you're going to buy Christmas presents. Um, you may be stressed out having to go to Thanksgiving dinner with a family member that you just particularly don't care for, and there always seems to be tension there, so you may have anxiety over that. Um, college students, finals are coming up here in the next month or so, and, and you may be stressing out over, over those, o- over school. So there's a lot of things that, that people get stressed out about. And so today what I want to talk to you um, is in our how-to series, is how to keep stress from becoming distress. Because we all face circumstances in life. We all are faced with situations that bring stress. And so how do we handle that stress? What, what do we do? 
And in this text um, that I believe that Apostle Paul is teaching here shows us how we can deal with stress. Um, just to give you some statistics here, um, there's an institute called the American Institute of Stress. And so these are some, some statistics that they give us about stress. Um, they say 44% of Americans feel more stressed than they did five years ago. One in five Americans ex experience extreme stress. And I would like to call that distress, okay? And with that comes shaking, heart palpitations, depression, severe anxiety, anxiety attacks. Stress is the basic cause of 60% of all human illness. Think about that. Stress can put you in an early grave. It can kill you. Three out of four doctor's visits are for stress-related ailments. Stress increases the risk of heart disease by 40%, heart attack by 25%, and the risk of a stroke by 50%. 40% of stressed people overeat or eat unhealthy foods. 44% lose sleep at night. Now get this, stress actually shrinks the brain. Extreme stressful situations like a, a divorce or unemployment, being fired, death of a family member, can actually reduce the gray matter in regions tied to emotion and physiological functions, which can lead to future psychiatric problems. Stress and anxiety not properly dealt with, like I said, can put you in an early grave. God doesn't want us to be stressed out. God doesn't want us to live a life full of anxiety, worry, and fear. Because worry and fear, stress and anxiety can put you in like mental bondage and prison. Mental chains where you're just consumed by worry and fear. And God does not want us to live like that. Now, we all face situations like that. Um, this, um, this year, some of you guys know that um, after 20 years of marriage, we found out that the Lord was surprising us with a new baby. And so we were excited about that. But we had a doctor's visit here in town, and they saw some fluid around the heart. And so we, they sent us over to Marshfield Clinic, and at, at Marshfield Clinic, the, the cardiologist that, that, that takes care of that, he said that the heart was perfect, fine, no issues whatsoever with that. And so he leaves, and then we have um, the specialist come in. And, they had, and she had said that the heart is good, but there's something else that we need to be concerned about. Um, what your wife has, what's going on with the placenta, is vasia previa. And what vasia previa is, if, if you know about that, the blood vessels that 
uh, are in the umbilical cord, those blood vessels that should have been in the umbilical cord, they were exposed. And they were right down by the bottom of the cervix. And so because of that, it's very dangerous. And so over time, we were monitoring that, and, and nothing was actually changing. And so if it wasn't changing by week 32, uh, my wife was going to be admitted to the hospital and stay in the hospital uh, for about four weeks, three, three and a half weeks in the hospital so they could monitor her because what can happen is if, if you go into labor with a vasia previa, the head begins to push on those blood vessels. And when they push on the blood vessels, then the baby's heart rate goes down. Or if she were to go in labor, which, is, uh, which would be the ultimate worst thing to happen, is that those blood vessels could actually burst. And if that were to happen, the, the, the baby could bleed out within a matter of three minutes. So thus, that's why they wanted her to stay at the hospital for that long, because they did not want her to be away in case something were to happen. And so the plan was she would just stay there, do work from the hospital room, and on, this, on September 26th, then we would have a scheduled C-section, and then she would probably, then the baby would probably be in the NICU maybe a week to two weeks. Well, things didn't go according to, to plan. Um, so she was in the hospital the Tuesday after, um, after Labor Day. And so she, in the hospital, she began to experience Braxton Hicks. Uh, so any of you ladies who've been pregnant, you probably know what those are. Um, I guess they're fake contractions. And so what ended up happening, though, is it was starting to press the baby's head on those blood vessels. Okay, And so, what do you do in those situations? When you're faced in the hospital and you're faced with circumstances that are totally out of your control, what do you do? Do you panic? Do you get in fear and worry? Or do you go to what God's Word says? And so, um, now I had to deal with thoughts of worry and anxiety this whole pregnancy. You know, the loss of, of my baby or the loss of my wife. Those thoughts coming and hitting and bombarding and attacking my mind constantly. But if I did not know what I know from the scripture, from these verses, I would not have handled those situations very well. And there were times where maybe I didn't hand, handle them. I was on the phone with Pastor Matt and, and he, you know, he reached out and, and, and prayed and and we, and we got through it. So there's sometimes that you may need to call someone, someone that, that you know in the faith that can believe God with you and to help you through these situations. And so that Friday morning, the same week after Memorial Day or Labor Day, um, it was September 8th. She was supposed to have her emergency C-section on, um, on September 26th. The doctors decided we need to go ahead and get her out now. And so they did, um, and I got there at the hospital over in Marshfield about 12.30 at night. And so by 9, 8 o'clock, they had decided we need to do this, this um, C-section. So Madeline Rose was actually born at, um, at 32 weeks, and I don't know if we have any pictures, guys. 
So she was born at 32 weeks, um, eight weeks early. And so she was in the hospital until I believe it was um, October 6th. And so my wife was staying at the uh, Ronald McDonald house for that, for that whole time, and then I would be making trips back and forth. And so, um, and so that was pictured shortly after she, she was born. And so when you're faced with a situation like that, and your loved one is, you know, you have a newborn baby, and, you know, you want to be excited, you want to be, you want to be with, with joy, but yet you know there's serious things in, involved. And so um, she developed beautifully, uh, was perfect and, and beautiful. Uh, and then um, she actually came home on October the 6th. So we have another picture of that. This next picture was taken just a few days ago. So she is doing awesome. She's, she's doing great. So, and she's here today. So we just ask that maybe not just a touch and hold her right now because she's still a little, a little peanut. Um, but in times like that, where do you go? Do you go into depression? Do you go spend your, your, your whole time watching TV? Do you, go to the, do you go to the bottle? Come on, guys. Or do you go to what the Word of God says? So stress... Stress can be the physical pressure or pull or other forces exerted on a thing. It's something that wants to pull you, to, to grab you, okay? But it's in those times that you have to make a decision, I am going to stand on the promises of God. No matter what the situation that I face comes my way, I'm standing upon what God's word says. And if we do that, then we keep that stressful situation from becoming distress. Distress is great pain or anxiety or sorrow. It's acute physical or mental suffering or trouble or affliction. So we want to keep stress from becoming distress. Now, in Philippians here, Paul if you read Philippians, and I encourage you guys, read the book of Philippians this week. It's only four chapters long. It's not very long, but it is, a, it is an awesome, awesome book. Now, the setting of this, Paul is towards the end of his ministry. He's about 30 years into his ministry. It's written in about A.D. 62. A few years later, he would be beheaded by Nero, okay? So he is, he's in confinement. He's in prison. And he's writing, he's probably in prison in Rome, and he's writing this letter to the Philippian church. The Philippian church is starting to suffer hardship, starting to suffer persecution. They are in a stressful situation that they are full of anxiety and in full of worry. And in verse chapter 4, he says, in the midst of that, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord and then he says, again, I say rejoice. So he's not giving a nice suggestion. Hey, guys, if you feel like it, just lift up your hands and say, praise God. No, he's saying rejoice. You've got something to be thankful for. You guys have been blood-bought, redeemed people, saved from the power of the enemy. 
and he tells them to rejoice. Then in verse 6, there's, there's about four things that I want to show you here that Paul says to them to how to conquer anxiety, how to, how to keep stress from becoming distressed. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So that word anxious there, it, it can be translated um, having care or worry. And it's, it's actually the, the Greek word merimnehu, uh, and it means over-anxious or distracted. But what I want to zero in on is the root word where this word comes from. Is, uh, comes from the word meriz, and it means a part as opposed to a whole. In other words, it's something that's being drawn in different directions, being pulled in different directions. It speaks of being distracted. Um, literally, you could say it means to go to pieces, to, be, uh, to not be whole mentally, not to be healthy or whole mentally, but you're, you're totally confused, being pulled in all kinds of different directions by worry, by anxiety, by fear. That's what anxiety does. It wants to pull you in all kinds of different directions to where you can't even think straight. And, you're, and you feel like you're going to pieces. That is distress. So what is the cure that, that, that Paul is saying here? He says, but in everything, no matter what situation you go through, do this. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be, known, be made known unto God. Now, when he says prayer here, this doesn't just mean a, like a twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder where you are. It's not like a little bedtime prayer. It is a prayer that is a personal devotion and worship to God. It's when you get before his face and into his very presence. It's in the presence of the Lord where there is fullness of joy. So it, it speaks of being up close and intimate. It, it, it means a face-to-face -face relationship with God. That's what he means here by, by prayer. And then it, it all, this word also carries with it an exchange, that you give him something and he gives you something. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, I believe it's verse 6, cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. You exchange your anxiety. You cast your anxiety on him and he gives you his peace. But if you hold on to your worry and fear, if you don't cast it and give it to him, then that peace will not be there in your life. Then he says... And supplication. Now, the word supplication is a sincere, strong, heartfelt prayer for needs. It shows your dependence on God. See, when you act in worry and fear, honestly, guys, it's really a sign of pride. Because you, what you're saying is, I've got to take care of this. It's, it, it turns into you-focused. So in, 
real quick, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus addresses worry and anxiety about the things of this life, having enough food, having enough clothing. And he says in verse 25 of Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what your body or what you put on it. Notice how many times he says you. Now, now I'm telling you guys from experience. I'm not telling you this to, to, to beat you over the head about it. I'm telling you this from experience. The, the times where I have worried in fear about things are the times where I have tried to handle it on, on, in my own strength and my own ability. It was about me. I became me-focused instead of God-focused. Jesus, later on in this chapter, he says, but if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things that you have anxiety about and, and you think you worry about, they are automatically added to you. But he says, seek first his kingdom. In other words, you are putting him first. You are rolling your care, your anxiety, your worry on him. Okay? So, and something that I've noticed over, over the years, people who become consumed by their anxiety and consumed by their fear, they become me-focused. They start pulling back from church. They, because they so, they're so consumed of, is anybody going to reach me and help me? It becomes about them. But that's the worst thing you can do is to pull back from the things of God and pull back from from church, and people stop giving and stop serving because they become consumed about themselves. But when you serve in the church, when you put God's kingdom first, you are serving something greater than yourself. And you begin to act in love towards other people and begin to care about other people. And when you do that, there's joy that comes. There's peace that comes with serving and helping others. Now, this word supplication, back to uh, Philippians 4, it speaks of faith. So when you pray, you're in a close relationship with God, then you're supplicating about your needs. There is a strong faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two through 24 says, Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. For verily, for truly I say unto you, what whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Notice he says, whosoever. Faith in God will work for whoever. Then in verse 24, he says, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So faith in God will work for whoever and on whatever. But notice you have to believe that you receive it when you pray. You don't believe when you receive it when you have it. Why would you have to believe you received it when you have it? You would know it. You believe that you received the answer to your prayer when you pray. So combating worry and fear, 
the close encounter, close intimate relationship with God, praying in faith, believing that you receive the answer, and then he says, with thanksgiving. So being thankful. Thankfulness is faith's expression. Faith always has thanksgiving. Doubt and unbelief and worry complain and grumble. This is something I've had to work on. And, and thank God for good family members. My daughter reminds me of when I'm complaining. So I'm thankful, Allie, thank you for letting me know when I'm complaining about food. I like food, so if something's not right, I tend to voice my opinion about it, which is not, not good. But this is something that I've had to, to work on. And in the same book in Philippians, he tells the Philippian church in chapter 2, verse 14, do all things without grumbling or, or griping or, or bickering. Do all things. So in the situ that means whatever situation that you're in, all things, don't complain. When you're going through financial difficulty, don't complain. When things aren't going your way, don't complain. Give thanks to God that he supplies all of our needs, that he is our source, that he is our provider. So I've, I've been challenged with this this year. Uh, for you guys who don't know, um, some of you guys do, we have, us as a family, have been, been believing God for a, a roof. And honestly, I wasn't believing for God for a new roof. I was complaining. And so the shingles were coming off. Uh, every time that I've looked at when I would pull out the driveway, I would complain about that roof. It would just drive me absolutely bonkers. And so I would be embarrassed of other people um, coming to my house. I didn't want to invite people coming to my house because they would see how nasty and trashed my house looked. My, I was embarrassed of, my, of my, what my neighbors thought. So my, it was so bad that the, the roof was actually leaking and busting up the ceiling in the bathroom. The ceiling was starting to cave in. You know, that's not a very good thought in the bathroom when you're sitting there doing your business and you're wondering what's going to happen. This is not how I envision of going out, you know? So it bugged me. But God, one, one day I was pulling out and I was starting to complain, and God arrested my attention. He said, why don't you stop complaining about the roof and start thanking me? And I started to do that. And about two months later, God made a way to where we were able to get a brand new roof. But I made the decision of stop complaining about the situation and start thanking God, start believing God. Okay, so then he says, make your requests be made known unto God. So we, it's unto God. In other words, we can go right into his presence with boldness because of what he says in his word. And we can have reliance that he will give us the promises uh, to us that are in, written in the scriptures. Then he says in verse 17, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. It doesn't make sense. I mean, you may be full of this. Looking at the situation, looking at the circumstances, it doesn't make sense why you should have peace, but there's an inward peace. There's an inward contentment, knowing no matter what the situation is, God's peace is right there. In that, 
before that C-section in that hospital. And it was a scary situation. And when they wheeled my wife out to get her prepped for the surgery, and I was waiting in the, in the recovery room. So what, I, what, what did I do? I put my headphones on. And I listened to that song that we sang today. It is well with my soul. No matter what situation you're going through, Jesus is there. Cast your care and worry upon him. It can be well with your soul, no matter what you are facing. I don't care if you're going through a sickness. I don't care if the doctor gave you a notice, a bad report that says you're going to die. I don't care if you've gone through a divorce, that you've lost a loved one, someone's died in your family. You can have peace. You can have contentment in your heart, in your soul. It is well with my soul. So... Now, in verse 8, he gives us another clue here how, how to overcome these, these situations. Verse 8, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if, there are any, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. So once the peace of God is obtained, it must be maintained. You, once the peace of God comes, then there's a job that you have to do because the enemy is not going to stop. He's still going to try to bombard you with thoughts of worry and fear. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Okay? So what do you do? Think in line with the word of God. Think on these things. Once the peace, I'll say it again, once the peace of God is obtained, it must be maintained. You have to get your thought life in order. When thoughts of worry and fear and anxiety come, you cast down those thoughts. In Second. Uh, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says to cast down vain imaginations, vain thoughts. Bring every thought into the captivity of Christ. In other words, bring every thought into subjection with what the word of God says. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Train yourself, no matter what situation that you face, what does the word of God say? Always combat these thoughts with the word of God. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for those 40 days, Satan came and bombarded his mind with thoughts of temptation. And what did Jesus say? It is written. It is written. It is written. When those thoughts of worry come, it is written. My God shall supply all my needs. When, when thoughts of sickness and disease come, it is written. By Christ, by his stripes, I am healed. You fight these thoughts with the word of God. Um, in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, uh, when, when Peter says, cast all your anxiety upon him, for he cares for you, then in verse 8 he says, uh, resist the devil steadfast in your faith. So once you cast those cares upon the Lord, then you have to resist the devil in your faith. But if your faith is weak, if your faith is, is, is not strong upon what God's word says, you're not going to be able to resist him. And that verse goes on to say that the devil um, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
So if you're not strong in your faith and in, in, in the word of God, when those thoughts of worry and anxiety come, then you're going you're to have a hard time resisting the devil. And he's seeking people who live in worry and fear, and it's those people he tries to devour. So I encourage you, get in the scriptures. Um, there's a, there was a minister named, his name was F.F. F. Bosworth, and F.F. F. Bosworth made, made this statement. He said, many, many Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day, and their spirits only one cold snack a week. So we have to t- spend time in, in the Word, getting in His presence, getting face-to-face with Him, knowing His promises, then our faith is strong, and then we can endure when these hardships come. So real quickly here, I, I, I want to look at, um, at verse 11. And so Paul learned something here. Um, he learned the secret of contentment of being at peace and of being at well with his soul. And in verse, verse 11, the second part of that verse, he says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty. And hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He knew the secret of contentment. Now, one time on one of his missionary journeys, he went to the church at Philippi where he wrote this book. And on that trip, the Lord led him to go there. And if you look at what all happened, it didn't look like it was a very successful trip. He got one person saved. Her name was Lydia. And then this another lady comes who was demon-possessed and harassed him everywhere he went throughout that city when he was preaching the gospel. And finally, he cast the, the devil out of her. But the authorities there got really, really upset and ticked off at him because that woman also was a fortune teller, and she was bringing a lot of income to to her handlers, okay? And so the authorities threw uh, Paul and Silas, who was with them, in prison. And so before they throw him in, they beat them with rods. They whipped him so their backs are beaten, their backs are bloody, and then they put them in stocks. And if you know anything about that time period, stocks weren't just necessarily these metal uh, wristbands with chains. They, they were long planks of wood with holes in it that your arms and your feet would get locked into. And they could stretch your arms and your legs out uh, to where it was extremely painful. So, so, so it was a form of torture. And then they throw him into the inner prison the worst disgusting part of the prison where the rats were infested, where, in, where, 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 where feces from other prisoners were there, okay? But, so they were in that situation. But Paul knew his contentment was in Christ. So what did Paul do? Did Paul, in, in Acts 16, 
get into worry and fear and complain about his situation. No. It says Paul and Silas, it says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. They lifted up their voice in the midst of the situation, in the midst of the hardship. They lifted up their voice so loud that even the other prisoners heard them. And then it says, and suddenly, and suddenly, and suddenly there was an earthquake. And their bands and their, and their bonds were loosened, it fell off, and the prison doors opened. And then they, they actually had to cry out and tell the jailer because the jailer thought the prisoners escaped and the jailer was going to take his life. Paul says that, that we're all here, um, that, that no one's escaped. And he ends up getting the, the jailer and his whole family saved. So let me ask you guys, when you're in the midnight hour, when things look like they're not going your way and it, and it seems dark and you seem to be bloody and, and, and beaten up by mental depression and anxiety and thoughts. It's in those times where you have to lift your voice, pray and sing praises to God. And when you begin to lift up your voice and sing praises to God of thanksgiving, you will find the bonds of depression and anxiety and fear fall off and the prison door opened. So he says in verse 11 and 12, I have learned that whatsoever situation I am in to be content. So what did he learn? Well, there's a clue here in the third chapter. The third chapter, and this is probably has become my favorite verse, these couple of, of, of verses here. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I counted everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, but count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul gained Christ. Paul saw Christ as, his, as the surpassing worth the surpassing treasure of his life. His contentment was not in whether things were going good. His contentment was not in outward circumstances. His contentment, his peace, was because he saw Jesus as the only supreme treasure and satisfaction of his life. And it didn't matter if he was beaten with rods, whipped, shipwrecked, he knew he had great gained Christ. And that brought contentment. And with that, when he saw that, then he could face the situations in the strength and in the grace and in the empowerment of Christ. For he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that strength that we are strengthened with from Christ it is for the purpose of going through situations in life that seem insurmountable, that seem to want to stress you out. So he found out his contentment was in Christ. So we sang that song, It Is Well, and the worship team can, can come up at this time. 
Now, that is a, that is a modern song. Um, the, the original, um, that's, a, that's kind of a, a remake, and um, it's, very, it's very good, but it's based on um, a hymn that, that was written in the 1800s. And uh, it was written by Horatio Spafford. And, and just let me just read this to you. Horatio Spafford was a, a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago uh, with a lovely family. He had a wife named Anne and, and, and five kids. And he was there in 1871 when the Chicago fire happened. And uh, before that, that fire happened, he actually lost one of his, his sons to pneumonia. And then in that fire, he lost everything. He lost, he lost all his belongings, his possessions, his, his house. And then two years later, his wife embarks on a journey uh, to, to England. And um, he had to stay behind in Chicago um, to take care of some business matters that, that he was involved in. And then he had to go, um, he would go later on to catch up with them. And on that journey, the boat that they were on had 313 passengers. They struck a, um, a Scottish ship that was an iron-hulled ship. They struck the ship and it bursted the hull of his wife's ship. That, that ship sunk. And out of the 313 passengers, 226 of them passed away, including his four children. And his wife survived. They actually found um, his wife um, floating on, in the ocean on a, on a piece of wreckage, and they pulled her out. And he, he wrote, she wrote him a, just a short note that got to him by telegram that said, um, saved alone, what should I do? And so he makes the, the journey, the trek over to England to, to get her. So here's a man that a few years earlier, he lost one of his sons. Two years later, his whole entire house burns to the ground. Then, he's, then he sends his wife and kids off, and four of his daughters drowned in the Atlantic Ocean. And so he's there on that, on that journey, and it is said it's on that trip, knowing that situation where he penned the hymn, it is well with my soul. One of the lines, one of the frames goes, when peace like a river attendeth my way. So when things are going good, when things are going at ease, when peace like a river attendeth my way. But when sorrow like sea billows roll. So there comes times in our life where the wind and the waves attack us. He said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea bellows roar, whatever my lot, no matter what the situation, in, in, in other words, thou hast taught me to say, he's learned the secret of contentment. It is well with my soul. So I want to encourage you guys today, no matter what situation that you're facing or trial or circumstances that you're going through, there's nothing too big for God. When you make him your, him your supreme treasure and the satisfaction of your life, it will be well with your soul. 
Contentment. Contentment is inward peace and satisfaction regardless of outward circumstances. Let me say it again. Peace or contentment. Contentment is inward peace and satisfaction regardless of outward circumstances. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, we thank you, Father God, for your word today. We thank you for what you have done for us. That there's nothing that no that there's nothing in this life that compares to you. That you are our contentment. You are our peace and our joy and our satisfaction. That no matter what situation that we are going through, that you have given us your Holy Spirit and that he is on the inside of us and that he is our comforter, that he is our strengthener, that he is our standby, our reservoir of power. We thank you for him today. We thank you for contentment and satisfaction of who you are and in our relationship to you. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.